the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. David, when he faced his own distress, would write in Psalm 55, 17, Every morning and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Solomon, his son, would write in Psalm 72, 12, For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. Because that's our God. He knows what we're going through. He is personally, intimately acquainted with every discouraging, troubling thing that we face, just as he did here with Baruch. God should not be blamed for our discouragement. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah. As followers of Christ, discouragement is something that we can expect at some point or another in our lives. However, as Pastor Gary will explain in today's message, you always have a God that knows exactly what you're going through and hears your prayers through it all. God is never the source of your discouragement but he is the source of peace you can find in the midst of it. David said that God heard his voice in his affliction, and the same God then is present and still working today. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 45, as he continues his message, Courage for the Discouraged. He did not deny his sorrow. He didn't pretend like it didn't exist. He was deeply in anguish. Who wouldn't be? What... A lot of people may not know about that song. You might be familiar with that story in many ways. What a lot of people don't know is that shortly after that terrible tragedy, Horatio Spafford and his wife had another child. It was a little boy. And they thought, here is the joy to replace our sorrow. But when that little boy was four years old, he got scarlet fever and died. What you also may not know from that song is that Horatio Spafford wrote the words in 1873, but the musical score was not added until 1876, three years later. The musical composition was written by a man named Philip Bliss. And Philip Bliss, in 1876, wrote the musical composition for that song. It got published then as the song that we know now today, as well with my soul. And in that same year, 1876, that Philip Bliss wrote the musical composition, he and his wife were on a train in Ohio, and it derailed, and Philip Bliss survived and went back into the wreckage of the train to rescue his wife. And when he did, the train 
became engulfed in flames and the two of them died and their bodies were never recovered when sorrow like sea billows roll. Discouragement comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. Heartache is no respecter of persons. A lot of people get discouraged in this world. Some, even of our great church fathers of the early faith, suffered from depression. Martin Luther, in the 16th century, he endured many instances of discouragement. He suffered most of his life and would write about it often, describing it with words like this, quote, melancholy, heaviness, depression, dejection of spirit, downcast, sad, downhearted. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 19th century, said that his discouragement started when he was 24 years of age in 1858. Charles Spurgeon later recalled, quote, my spirits were sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not what I wept for. He would go on to say that he battled against what he called, quote, causeless depression his whole life. He said, quote, this shapeless, undefinable, yet all beclouding hopelessness cannot be reasoned with. He said, fighting this type of depression is as difficult as fighting with mist. So when we read here in chapter 45 of Jeremiah that Baruch describes his situation with the words sorrow, pain, being worn out, groaning, and without rest, it's a picture of a lot of people. Or at the very least, it's a picture of what any number of us have experienced, are experiencing, or may experience to some degree or another in the course of our lifetime. And what I want you to notice with me are a few things from this chapter to help give us courage in our discouragement. The first is this for you note takers, write down. God cares about us in our discouragement. God cares about us in our discouragement. This whole chapter, Jeremiah 45, is about a personal word from the Lord through Jeremiah for one guy, Baruch. It's a personal word that the Lord is visiting Baruch with so that he might know he's not alone and that God hears and God knows and God cares. God has seen and heard what Baruch is going through. And this is incredible for us to recognize because at this time, God is speaking to the whole nation of Judah through the prophet Jeremiah because of their rebellion and their sin and their disobedience against God. And so God is using Jeremiah to speak to an entire nation. And in this moment, God puts on pause a message for the nation so that he might deliver a message for one person, one person. That's how much God cares. God cares about every single thing that you and I face. And even though he's the God of the universe, he is never distracted by the masses to be unconcerned for the one, for you. God cares. He cuts through the national message here in this chapter for a personal message for one guy. Jeremiah, God says to him, I got a word today. Jeremiah is probably thinking, oh, a whole word for the nation. Okay, what is it you want me to say? No, 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 no. This is a word for Baruch. I want you to tell this guy a personal word. That's how much God is intimately familiar with every single thing in our lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it is still possible. God can still operate this way, whereby by his spirit, 
He puts a word on somebody's heart to share with another person. And when God does that, it's a wonderful thing. I have been the recipient of that kind of thing from time to time. And the Lord has put different things on my heart for certain people at different times. It doesn't happen frequently. And by the way, you have to always carefully measure those kind of things. You know, sometimes people will approach me like, I have a word for you. And I'm like, "Ah, okay, not sure. You know, and so you got to weigh those things. You know, we shouldn't be non-discerning or gullible about just anything. We should weigh things, but God can still work that way by his spirit. And often, though it doesn't happen regularly, but often if the Lord puts something on my heart for somebody else, I'll just basically say, hey, listen, you know, I just kind of feel this burden in my heart to say this. Now I'm just going to kind of leave this with you. If this is from the Lord or not, you can figure that out or decide or, you know, but I just want to be faithful to at least say this much. And it's a wonderful thing. And I can tell you too, I've been at the receiving end of that. In fact, just this past Friday, just this past Friday, just having kind of a down day, it happens to us. And in the middle of the day, my cell phone rings. And on the cell phone, it said, no caller ID, which you know, like, don't answer that. And so, but I had to answer it because we had a dishwasher delivered yesterday. And on Friday, they're supposed to call to tell me when they're delivering it on Saturday. And so, like, I had to answer it. So I answered the phone. It was my friend. Okay, how many of you have remembered Daniel from when he's been here before? For those of you who don't know, Daniel is Egyptian, born and raised in Egypt, raised a Muslim, very devout Muslim. Then he had a personal encounter with Jesus, got radically saved when he was still in Egypt, left Islam, became a Christian, and then because of that, he was arrested in Egypt, put in solitary confinement for eight months, and then he was released, and then eventually came to the United States, and now he has a wonderful ministry reaching Muslims. Just a dear brother who loves the Lord. And so he says to me, he says, Gary, you are my brother from another mother. All right, so that's the kind of friendship we have. And so I answered, and I said, Daniel, why is your phone showing up? No caller ID. He goes, well, you must only have my mobile number. I'm calling from home. So I needed to call you today. I said, all right, well, so what's going on? He says, I was praying for you. I'm trying to do my best Egyptian Daniel impersonation. He goes, I was praying for you this morning. And God spoke to me, gave me word for you, word of encouragement. And so, and he told me specifically what the Lord had told him to say. And it was just a wonderful word of encouragement to me. And then we had a chuckle because he said, I have to be honest with you. I argued with God about this. I said, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, because you know, he said, I have ministry to Muslims. Muslims, in fact, he even contacted the congresswoman who was talking anti-Semitic stuff this week. And so that's a whole other story. He goes, so I, you know me, he goes, I confront, I talk about truth. I want Muslims to know truth and be free. And he says, so all these Muslims are trying to kill me. So I say to God, why can't that word be for me? <laughs> He says, no, God said, Daniel, this word for Gary, you call him. (laughs) So I said, well, Daniel, thank you. And I'll be praying for you. But Proverbs 25, 11 says a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. And it was a word aptly spoken. Now, listen, the Lord may not always deal that personally with us. It's wonderful when he does. But the main takeaway from this that I, that I want us to see here in this first point is that God knows and God hears and God cares about us. David, when he faced his own distress, would write in Psalm 55, 17, every morning and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. 
Solomon, his son, would write in Psalm 72, 12, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. Because that's our God. He knows what we're going through. He is personally, intimately acquainted with every discouraging, troubling thing that we face, just as he did here with Baruch. God should not be blamed for our discouragement. Baruch is quoted by the Lord here in verse 3 of accusing God of adding sorrow to his pain. He says there in verse 3, the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. Now, just so we can get the perspective again, this chapter really follows chapter 36. Here's what was happening in chapter 36. Jeremiah dictated these prophecies. Baruch wrote them down. But then Jeremiah was not able, he was restricted from going publicly to proclaim these things. So Baruch took the scroll and he went to the temple of the Lord. And from a window, he read the scroll to all the people. The officials of the king overheard, because they were there as well, and they were alarmed by these things that the prophet was saying. They told the king, the king said, bring Baruch and the scroll here. Baruch brings the scroll, he reads it to the king, King Jehoiakim, and as he's unraveling the scroll and reading it, Jehoiakim, the king, takes a penknife and cuts that portion and throws it in the fire. And then Baruch unravels some more and reads it. And the king cuts it and throws it into the fire. And he burns the entire scroll. But he listens to it, but he ends up burning the entire scroll. And Jehoiakim basically refuses to heed the warning. And he turns a deaf ear. And then he issues an APB. He wants to arrest Jeremiah and Baruch. And he wants to kill him. And the Bible says in chapter 36 that the Lord hid Jeremiah and Baruch. The king was very intentional in trying to kill him. So with that backdrop... What's going on in Baruch's life, no doubt. And the reason why he's saying the Lord is adding sorrow to my pain is because here's a guy who's just trying to be faithful. He's just trying to do what Jeremiah is telling him to do and write down these things. He's trying to serve God and honor God in the process. And he's basically gotten to this point where he's basically thinking this. This is what's inferred in this. He's basically saying, you know, I'm just trying to live for you, Lord. I'm just trying to serve you. I'm just trying to do what I'm being told to do. I just want to honor you. And yet it's not working out. All this devastation is going to come. And what's my life going to look like at the end of all this? People are trying to kill me now just because I'm trying to serve you. And here's how we can sound in a similar way as Christians. We can end up from time to time looking at our lives through the lens of our discouragement and often even looking at God through the lens of our discouragement. And we basically say something like this. You know, all I've tried to do, Lord, is to live for you. I've just tried to be faithful. I go to church. I wanted to raise my kids in the way of the Lord. I've just tried to honor you. Sure, nobody's perfect, but I've tried to be a good Christian. And ever since I've been a Christian, this has happened and that has happened and the other thing has happened. And I'm not really convinced that you care. And this is the kind of thing that we can do with God. And the warning here is don't blame God. Here's what happens. Friends, listen, if you think God is the source of your pain, who are you going to turn to as the source for your help? Because God is our ever-present help in time of need. We can't go around blaming him for some of the discouragement we face in our world. Friends, the fact of the matter, and this is important for Christians to understand, when Jesus dies on a cross, he did not die on a cross to improve our lives for this earth. Now that might happen in some ways as a natural default because when Christ dies on a cross and we come into relationship with him, it improves my life in immeasurable ways and helps me to navigate this world better. But Jesus didn't die on a cross with the intention of just trying to improve your life or my life for earth. He died on the cross to prepare our lives for heaven. Because he knows that this earth is wicked and corrupt and deceitful and has its share of discouragement and despair and crises and disease and death. 
If the world had none of those things, then why would we need to be rescued from it? Jesus dies on a cross. In fact, Galatians 1 verse 4 says that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. He didn't come to just improve our situation here. He came to transform our lives, change our hearts, and take us to heaven when we die because he's preparing us for our ultimate reward, not just to improve life here. This is not just a... Jesus is not just a fix-it for your life to improve your situation on earth. Jesus is a savior to rescue us from this world and to take us to a place where eventually, Revelation 21 says, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying for the old order of things has passed away. Behold, I make all things new. That's our ultimate hope and our ultimate reward. And so in the meantime, we do live a life that has its share of discouragement. I am convinced that God has spared us from a lot of stuff that we don't even know. We don't even know. You know, if we experienced it, then by definition, we wouldn't have been spared of it. So I think there are things when we get to heaven, we're going to realize God spared us of a multitude of things. And so we need to thank him and praise him in spite of the fact that we don't even know what those things might necessarily be. But the fact that sometimes we do experience pain and discouragement in this lifetime is a reminder that that's why Christ died on a cross, to rescue us from our own sins and from a sinful, fallen world. This is why Paul would say in Romans 8.18, I consider my present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory that awaits me in Christ Jesus. He saw and he knew and understood. We're not living for Christ, but for this life. We're living for Christ, but for the life to come. And so may we be faithful and not blame him for our discouragement. The last point, real quickly. The last point I want you to notice here in chapter 45, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4, the Lord said, say this to him. This is what the Lord says. I will overthrow what I have built. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. I will overthrow what I've built and uproot what I've planted through the land. Should you then seek great things for yourself? He's asking Baruch. Seek them not. For I will bring disaster on all people, declares the Lord. But wherever you go, I will let you escape with your life. In other words, what God is saying here is, I am sovereign over the nations, and I am sovereign over your life. He says, I'm about to bring judgment on the people here. It's discipline because I love them. I want to confront them and purge them of their sin and idolatry. I'm about to bring judgment on this land. He says but to Baruch, but I'll let you escape with your life. You're not going to die. You're not going to perish over this. We need to understand God's sovereign place. Daniel, who was a prophet during the same time period, Daniel was already in Babylon. He was taken away with some of the first captives in 606 BC, along with his young friends. He was probably a teenager. He's now in Babylon and God uses him as a prophet there in Babylon, where Jeremiah is here in Judah. And Daniel will live out the rest of his life in Babylon. He'll never go back to Israel. He'll die an old man in Babylon. And he will serve the kings of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son, and Nebuchadnezzar's grandson too. And Daniel prophesies and he speaks to the kings of Babylon, in Babylon. And God basically says to the Babylonian empire through the prophet Daniel, I'm going to overthrow you because you've been too harsh with my own people. I wanted to use you as the rod of discipline, but you've been too harsh. You've overstepped your discipline of my people. So therefore I'm going to uproot your kingdom and I'm going to bring the Medo-Persian empire. And Daniel steps up and he tells 
the kings of Babylon this. In Daniel 2.21, Daniel says that God changes times and seasons and he sets up kings and deposes them. In Daniel 4.17, he says the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of men. And so God is basically saying here to Baruch, since I'm sovereign over the nations and over your life, who should you seek great things for? You or me? Baruch, is this about your fame, your glory, your name? I'm the one sovereign over the kingdoms. I'm the one sovereign over your life. Should you be living to exalt your own name? No, 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 no. He says, you should live to exalt my name. And Daniel the prophet, when he confronts Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 23, he says, the reason why God is going to overthrow the Babylonians, and it happened that very night that Daniel prophesied this. He said in Daniel 5, 23, he says to Belshazzar, because you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Your life and all your ways are held in the palm of God's hand. There are plenty of people in our world who live to make a name for themselves. They thrive. They're drunk on notoriety and fame. They promote themselves. They brand themselves. They market themselves. All for what? For a world that will forget about them in five minutes after the next self-promoting person steps forward. As Christians, though, friends, we have to have a different mindset. Tiger Woods once said, quote, money and fame made me believe I was entitled. I was wrong and foolish, end quote. Listen, if God promotes you, if God makes you successful, if God gives you a platform, use it. Don't abuse it. Because the same God who gave you all that can take it away in a minute. He wants us to exalt his name. He wants us to lift up his name. He wants us to glorify his name. Even in our discouragement. This is his point to Baruch. Baruch, he says to him, you see that I am sovereign over the nations and over your very life. Why are you trying to make something great for yourself? So it's an indication to us that Baruch struggled with this a little bit. One of the greatest things that we can do to ourselves to discourage ourselves is to spend the futility of our time trying to make our name great instead of God's name great. I think Baruch's got a little of that going on here because what he looks at is all that's going to happen to his world and how his life's going to get turned upside down and nothing's going to be the same as it once was. And he's basically thinking, you know, what's going to happen to me and my career and my name? And how's this going to impact me? And God was like, how about instead of seeking great things for you, you seek great things for me because I'm going to preserve your life through it. That's how God ends this whole thing at the end of, chapter, of verse 5. He says, for I will bring disaster on all people, because he's going to bring his judgment, declares the Lord. But, but wherever you go, I will let you escape with your life. You're going to be fine. I'm going to take care of you. And it's the last point, folks. God should be exalted through our discouragement. It's actually important. Not necessarily easy, but it's actually important that we worship our way through our discouragement that we honor God no matter what our circumstance, that we don't blame Him, that we still continue to exalt the one who holds the nations and our very lives in the palm of His hand. In fact, in Psalm 42, 11, the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor Gary Hamrick's study on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary has been sharing from the writings of Jeremiah, and we hope you'll continue to tune in to dig deeper into this Old Testament book of prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out. Our phone number here is 703-771-1500. And when you call, let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or by downloading our mobile app. You can find a link on our website or just search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word. We'd enjoy meeting you, too. If you're in the Leesburg area, you're invited to join us at Cornerstone Chapel for our weekly services. You can get directions and service times at our website, One more time, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for in today's teaching. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know